May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Today is the fourth Sunday of Lent, traditionally called Mothering Sunday, but that is very much an English tradition that is not in line with Dutch tradition. So I like to skip that for now. The fourth Sunday of Lent is also called Half Lent. We are halfway through Lent on our way to Easter. The prophets and other Bible texts have been preparing us for what is to come in Holy Week as Jesus has been preparing his disciples for what is to happen to him. He is on his way to the cross. The Messiah is going to suffer and die before he will rise again. After a few weeks of contemplating the cross during Lent, the fourth Sunday of Lent traditionally brings some joy. It is called Sunday Leitare, the Sunday of joy. As in Advent, we had the third Sunday called Sunday Gaudete, Sunday to rejoice. Instead of a purple candle on the Advent wreath, we had a pink one. Today, the liturgical color by choice could have been pink instead of purple. And for that reason, I adjusted my sweater to that. But looking at the color, far more important than the color, of course, is today's message. The message from the gospel. A message from ultimate hope for us for all believers. The Son of God has been given to us to save us and to grant us eternal life. But before we are going to draw that conclusion, we better read the text in context to make sure that we understand the text well. What is Jesus doing and saying here? We are actually listening to a conversation of Jesus with Nicodemus, a Pharisee and a leader of the Jews who came to Jesus by night. He wanted to find out who Jesus really was and what his relationship with God was. And Jesus explains to Nicodemus that he knows God personally, that he comes from heaven. Simply said, he knows what he's talking about. He's been there. But still the Jews, and also Nicodemus, apparently, do not understand him, do not really believe Jesus. And at that point, we are entering into today's text. And Jesus makes it even more difficult for Nicodemus to believe. Jesus tells him that the Son of Man, the Messiah, has to be 
lifted up, that is, on a cross. Has to be lifted up like Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness. And before we read the gospel any further, let us find out what this referral to the Old Testament could mean. The people of Israel are complaining against Moses and against God for their suffering in the desert after they were able to leave slavery in Egypt. And for that ungrateful behavior, God punishes them with a plague of venomous serpents. And many of them die. Then the Israelites repent of their sins and beg God to take this plague away from them. And God tells Moses to make a snake out of bronze and put it on a pole. And when someone gets bitten by a snake, they have to look up to the bronze snake and then will be saved. What a strange story that is. God is telling Moses to make a bronze snake. We all know that making images was strictly forbidden in the Ten Commandments. But that apparently is not the point here. The point is that every Israelite that looks up to the image, or should we say, looks up to God, every Israelite doing that gets a new or renewed life. Not because they worship the image, definitely not, but because they look up to God. Now back to the gospel story in verse 15. Jesus tells Nicodemus that the Messiah has to be lifted up as well on a pole, that is, on the cross, so that ever who looks up to him, whoever believes in him, may have eternal life. And to make sure that Nicodemus understands why this is all happening, Jesus says, and here comes one of the most central statements of the whole New Testament. Jesus says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that everyone who believes in him may not perish, but may have eternal life. That's really one of the most central statements in the New Testament. God loved the world, gave his only son, so that anyone who believes may not perish, but have eternal life. And then this statement is immediately followed by another one, also very important to understand this text well. Jesus says, indeed, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. 
he sent his son not to condemn the world, but to make sure that the world might be saved through him. So this is not so much about condemnation, it's about saving the world. God actively wants to save the world, and that's why he sends his son into the world. That leaves one question. What about those who don't believe? The text clearly says those who believe in him are not condemned, but those who do not believe are condemned already. With that question, we come to the last part of our gospel text. What does this judgment between believers and unbelievers, what does this judgment look like? Jesus says about that, this is the judgment that the light has come into the world and people loved darkness rather than light. How's that? People who love the light will be saved and people who, people who love darkness are condemned? Is it all a matter of people making the right or the wrong choice? Or do people have it all in hand? Reading that, chapter one of John, St. John's Gospel came into my mind. We must have a look at that first uh, chapter, verse five. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness did not overcome it. There, Jesus says, or John says, in the end, the light will prevail. Darkness will not overcome it. Light wins, darkness loses. And of course, people can make a choice. That's their own free will. But mind you, in the end, this is all in the hands of God's grace. God is making the final decisions. And God wants the world to be saved. His grace is all around. His grace is as big as it can get. He gave his only son to be nailed to a cross. Can the grace get any bigger than that? People can make their own decisions. And if they willingly and knowingly make this choice to turn their backs on God, to deny him and to stay in the dark, then that will have its consequences. For all others, there is the grace of God. And God's grace is unmeasurable. Mind you, the starting point of this whole story is God loved the world so much. Love and grace. That's what it's all about. Not so much condemnation, but love and grace. Let us pray.
Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love. We thank you for your grace. We are unworthy of it altogether, but still you love us. And you give us the opportunity to love you back. May the whole world come to recognize your love in Jesus and come to you. May we all become his disciples. Amen. <laughs>